All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. I'm a real boy! You want thingamabobs? I got 20. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. We This is the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. My name is David Dollar. Thank you so much for joining us. Episode number 32. Now, as you notice, this is Thursday. I'm recording here in case you're hearing this for the first time. We had come on, on Tuesday last week, and I thought to myself, you know, Tuesday's a good day to release. We'll have the rest of the week for people to listen and so on and so on. And I don't think Tuesday's going to happen. It's just too busy. The weekend is too busy, and, and i got to have time to prepare for a show, and i got to have a couple of days for that. I, I had an event last week, and it took me literally three days to catch up on all the stuff I didn't get to do over the weekend uh, regarding Disney stuff. And so really, last night and this morning was the first time I was able to sit down and say, okay, let's do a show. And what are we going to talk about? I know what we're going to talk about. Make my notes. i got a lot of notes here for what we're talking about later. Uh, we're going to talk about the Disney Comcast Fox deal because that's a big, big deal that I don't think a lot of people are, are really comprehending how big of a deal this is. So we'll talk about that later. We'll get to that. We'll get some Disney news and, of course, some Disney history like usual because I love me some Disney history. But this past weekend, I went to an event called the Magic City Con. It's the Magic City Convention here in Birmingham, Alabama. It's the one of the biggest, uh, I guess, comic book fests you're going to find in the area. It's a lot of cosplay, and what I mean by that is people dressing up as other characters, anime characters and superheroes and things like that. And I was able to get a booth, uh, myself and my good friend Meredith, who's also a travel agent. We are, of course, travel agents under Paradise Falls Travel Company. Go to paradisefallstravelco.com. I do, of course, do Disney, and I would love to send you to the Mediterranean. I'd love to send you to Viking Cruises, Princess Cruises, uh, Puerto Vallarta, and Cozumel, and other places. If you don't want to do Disney, you can do all those things. Go to paradisefallstravelco.com to find all the worldwide destinations you can go that don't even involve a mouse. If you want to involve a mouse, please call me. If not, that's okay, too. Go to paradisefallstravelco.com. So there's a plug for that. We had a booth for that, and of course, I'm Magic on a Dollar Travel Planning, uh, and my friend Meredith, she is 100 Acre Woods Travel Planning, and of course, that's you know Winnie the Pooh. It's a cute little nickname, cute little business card with Winnie the Pooh on it. It's nice and fun. So we had a table set up. For Disney, basically, uh, people coming up and uh, you know to talk about Disney, asking about trips, and we would talk about the cruises and adventures by Disney and Olani and Hawaii and and Disneyland, Disney World. Had a great conversation. Of course, they only give you a table, and we didn't really know what the table looked like. I mean, it's a table, but we didn't really know what the area would look like uh, until Thursday morning. So we were able to drop off some of our stuff there at the convention. It's it's there's a hotel here in Birmingham called the Hyatt Regency, and it's owned by Winfrey, or it's maybe Hyatt owns the Winfrey. It's called the Winfrey for the longest time, and for decades is what it was called. And uh, now they change it to the Hyatt Regency. But like many people, calling um, you know Hollywood Studios MGM is just one of those things that stuck probably forever. And so that's kind of the convention hall is where it was. So we went in there, we dropped our stuff off. We had a ten foot by ten foot booth area to put our stuff in. And one of my many faults is the fact that I do come up with good ideas, sometimes great ideas. A lot of times, they're exactly the last minute. And so I had a problem because I didn't know how we were going to decorate our booth. And Meredith was kind of the supplier person, and she had some ideas too, but I'm really kind of throwing, throwing my creative brain on in here and trying to figure out, you know, I wanted to hang posters up. How do we do that? How do we hang up? How do we display things? We've got Toy Story Land coming, a Star Wars Land coming, and Star Wars is really the big one. That's really the one you want to go after, that crowd, because that's that's kind of the crowd you're there for. We didn't know what to do, so I went to Walmart, and I walked around for like 35 or 40 minutes just kind of getting ideas on what to do 
and I went by Target and went by, went by Bed Bath and Beyond and I went to Hobby Lobby and all these places to get some ideas and I came up with an idea of what about those 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 wardrobes those ones you can buy for like eight bucks a piece and all they are basically are a couple of pipes a couple of metal pipes that are kind of on a stand and you're able to hang clothes on them uh it's like a like a mini wardrobe for a small closet or something like that and so i bought three of those and i'm like what if we build these buy these build these stand them up side by side by side that's that'll make nine feet ten feet something like that fits the booth perfectly get a white sheet throw over it we'll hang the posters up on it and that's exactly what we did and it worked perfectly uh we got some cardboard boxes from Walmart, like a dollar a piece, so large box and then a smaller box and everything. Draped a red sheet over one column, draped a uh, green sheet, not uh, green sheet, a uh, blue sheet over the other column, and draped a uh, uh, a black sheet over the other one. And we put Star Wars stuff on one, Toy Story stuff on one, and Disney stuff like ears and things like that on the other. So we had this perfect little column setup of Disney display merchandise, things like that. We had the uh, the wall there. The posters were kind of hard because. You know, they didn't really want to hang up on the sheet, so I had to cut holes in the sheet to put the duct tape directly on the piping. The, the booth looked pretty cool. I think it looked pretty cool. If you go to Instagram, uh, Magic on a Dollar, uh, at Magic on a Dollar on Instagram, you'll see you can find some pictures there of how the booth was set up. I think it looked pretty good. If I don't, if I do say so myself. And so anyway, that was my weekend, and I was there all weekend, which is really weird because when you're there, you're kind of sitting there at the, at the booth talking to people and such. And you know, I got up and walked around, and, and my friend Meredith is uh, she works in her office uh, on a day job, so she actually spends a lot of time kind of sitting so she's used to it me not so much i had to get around get up like every hour and walk around a little bit because i was just going nuts i just i i, I couldn't just sit there so by the end of the day we were just it's really weird you sit there you just kind of are in one little area all day and yet at the end of the day you're exhausted and that's kind of how it was and so monday i was worthless i was trying to catch up on emails and everything and monday i was just like Bleh. which is also why we didn't do a show on tuesday because i was like you know what let's just do it thursday we'll just you know, I don't know how many listeners we have. I don't know how many fans we have. I hope people are okay with it. But Thursday it is, and it's Thursday. So that was my weekend. That was my Disney weekend. My gosh, we're seven minutes into the show, and all I've talked about is the Disney booth. Let's get to some Disney news, shall we? How about those monorails? Oh, those monorails at Disney World. They just they just aren't catching a break. Uh, the monorail, a couple of days ago, became disabled, and the air conditioning lost power. So people were popping windows out to let air flow through them. And the monorail was up on like a 30-foot, 20-foot, whatever track, and so people were just popping windows out onto the grass below. Now, there was a, a rumor on Instagram. People were taking pictures and stuff that the windows were falling out of the monorail as the monorail was going. Apparently, that is not true. Apparently, the, the guests inside the monorail were popping the windows out because it was just too hot. There's a monorail that was sitting on the track that was just windowless or had three or four windows popped out, so airflow, they towed it back and everything, and I tell you, the monorails got to get fixed, man. The monorails got to get fixed because we're having all kinds of problems with the monorails. I have not been on a monorail that has been stuck like that. And for the vast majority of people, I mean, these monorails probably haul, I don't know, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people every day. Uh, so to have one breakdown every now and then, it's not a big deal. But it's a bigger deal than you want it to be because if you're on one of those monorails, you can do nothing but wait for them to tow you back to the station. And sometimes that takes a good hour or two hours to get things set up. So, you know, that's that's not comfortable. That's not comfortable at all. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, you know, I don't want to go on a monorail, but I do want to glamp in Pandora. Guess what? Your time has come. If you've ever wanted to spend the night instead of a theme park, Disney is actually doing a contest where two lucky winners can glamp in Pandora. What is glamping? That is glamorous camping, apparently. Uh, I would never glamp. I'm a Boy Scout. I'm an Eagle Scout, and I have camped with the worst of them. 
And so, but glamping, basically, you get to go and spend the night in Pandora. Um, one lucky winner and their guests will glamp under the floating mountains of Pandora and enjoy custom experiences curated just for them. Apparently, there's going to be a tent set up there. And the contest is through a site called Oh My Disney, and which is a pretty cool site, by the way. All you have to do is enter, uh, a, enter is record a video saying why you want the opportunity to spend the night in Pandora. Uh, entries must begin about 621, and finalists will be contacted to perform a phone or Skype interview on July 9th or 10th, so you've got to be available on those days. So go to ohmydisney.com if you would like to glamp in Pandora. Have you seen the trailers for Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet? It's spectacular. It's wonderful. It's hilarious. Of course, uh, Ralph and Vanellope von Schweetz and, uh, have discovered the internet and so they go through this this massive uh massive court to get to the internet where everything is and the trailer you know you see all oh there's amazon and there's netflix or whatever and of course they see oh my disney and they go there and they end up seeing all the princesses which there's a a, a good 35 to 40 second scene with all the princesses there and it's wonderful it's one of the funniest things i've seen in a long time make sure you go there and you go sure you go to youtube and and find that also the the dumbo teaser trailer was released yesterday now when you say uh from director Tim Burton, when you say that phrase, a lot of times I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I like that or not because he's he's done some stinkers. But this trailer was incredible. Um, it's an all-new grand live-action adventure. Dumbo basically takes the, the original story and kind of expands on it. Uh, the story goes, and I'm going to read this from MainStreetMouse.com. Make sure you go there as well for a lot of Disney news. One of my favorite sites. Uh, I know the people that own that, Michelle and Scott Atwood, and they are wonderful people. They were there at the con this past weekend. But go there. Circus owner Matt Medici, played by Danny DeVito, enlists former star Holt Farrier, played by Colin Farrell, and his children Millie and Joe to take care of a newborn elephant whose oversized ears make him a laughingstock in a circus that's already struggling. But when they can discover that Dumbo can fly, the circus makes an incredible comeback, attracting persuasive entrepreneur V.A. Vandeveer, played by Michael Keaton, recruiting Dumbo for the newest larger-than-life entertainment venture, Dreamland. Dumbo soars to new heights along a charming and spectacular aerial artist, uh, Colette Marchant, played by Eva Green, until Holt learns that behind the shiny veneer... Dreamland is full of dark secrets, so not everything is as it should be in Dreamland, headed by V.A. Vandiver. I would have, I personally would have loved to have seen Hugh Jackman reprise his role from Greatest Showman and be P.T. Barnum in this. I think that would have been fantastic, but I love Michael Keaton. I think Michael Keaton is an American treasure, so I cannot wait to see this. He's going to be great in this. The cast is fantastic in this. Of course, the original animated tale opened up October 23, 1941, won an Oscar for Best Score of a Musical Picture, and was nominated for Best Song for the song Baby Mine. Baby Mine's one of the saddest songs ever. It, I think that, and When She Loved Me by from Toy Story 2, and put those side by side, and I think if you listen to those back to back, I don't know that you'll be able to smile for five hours because it's just a, just a sad back to back duo. It's Disney, but it's so it's so sad. As a matter of fact, Tim Allen has said that when he and Tom Hanks watched Toy Story 2 for the first time in its entirety, during that scene when she loved me, they both cried like babies because it's. It's just so sad. Baby Mine's the same thing, where you've got Mother Jumbo singing to her baby, who she can barely hold because they've separated them. And I've got to tell you, it's uh, it's a big deal. It's it's the, the trailer is beautiful, and I, I, from all accounts, I'm now excited about this movie, whereas I wasn't before, and now I am. And every time Disney comes out and says we're going to make a live action, blah blah blah, I mean the princess movies have been fine, but when you see live action Winnie the Pooh or live action Dumbo, and you're like. Why are you? What is this? Why? What? How? Did, what, is, what are you doing? The Winnie the Pooh movie actually looks pretty good, and Dumbo looks great. So I'm looking forward to that. So that's coming out. And don't forget, of course, 
On June the 19th, sometime next week or this week, if you're listening to this episode this week, June 19th is the the new prices for Disney World in 2019. So we can book stuff 2019 starting June 19th. Now, here's a little secret that a lot of people don't know. Hotel standards, this is not a Disney thing, this is a hotel industry thing, can only let you book through 499 days. So on June 19th, we will only be able to book through, I believe, October 31st. On June 20th, we can book through November 1st of 2019. On June 21st of this year, we'll be able to book through like November 2nd of 2019. And I believe it's August the 4th, 2nd, 3rd, something something to that effect that we'll be able to book actually through the entire year of 2019. So December 31st, we can actually book starting on uh, uh, like August the 1st or August the 5th or whatever. So a little secret there for you. I don't, think, don't know if you knew that or not. So when you call your travel agent, now, let's just admit it. When you call me and say, hey, I want to go ahead and book my December 2019 trip, I'm going to tell you, uh, we're going to have to wait a couple of weeks, I promise you. And you'll say, well, but but you said that the prices for 2019 were out. And I'll say, yes, I did, but there's a caveat because, and there you go. So a little industry standard there for you. And again, that's not a, that is not a Disney thing. That's not Disney being goofy. That is a, that's actually a hotel thing for whatever reason. I don't know the policy on that, but 499 is the industry standard. This week in Disney history, let's go all the way back to 1959 where at Disneyland, three major attractions opened up on June 14th of 1959. The first, the first urban monorail system in the U.S., the Disney monorail system, started operating in California's Disneyland. Mark 1 trains running a .8-mile track around Tomorrowland. Uh, Walt Disney and U.S. Vice President Nixon and their families are on hand for the dedication of the quote-unquote highway in the sky. In 1961, the monorail actually would be a true transportation link instead of just a sightseeing ride, which before it was just kind of a ride back and forth. And in uh, 1961, they actually put a purpose to it. Uh, they extended the track out two and a half miles, and Disneyland hotel guests would be able to board the monorail at the hotel and begin their park visit in Tomorrowland. Also, when they stay in Disneyland, the Matterhorn Mountain with its Matterhorn bobsleds opened up. It was modeled after the Matterhorn which is, of course, in the Swiss Alps. Uh, the first roller coaster to use syngilical rails and urethane wheels. I don't know what that means, but I'm reading off the page here. At 147 feet tall, the Matterhorn contains 500 tons of structural steel. Now, I don't know what syngilical rails and urethane wheels are, but it sounds really impressive. So I'm guessing that's really important. So it's the first one, the first time we've ever used it. So you know what? Yay, Disney. Also, the submarine voyage is officially dedicated on this ride in Tomorrowland. Although it is actually was opened a couple days before that, but it was dedicated here. $2.5 million to create, which I, I had to laugh when I saw that number because attractions now cost hundreds of millions of dollars to build. Uh, the, Gardens of the, Ro- Gardens of the Galaxy roller coaster at Epcot is probably going to be like $300 million. I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is. It's huge. So this ride took $2.5 million to create the Nautilus and Seven Sister Submarines. The Triton, Seawolf, Skate, Skipjack, George Washington, Patrick Henry, and Ethan Allen uh, allow 38 Disneyland guests at a time to take their own voyage to the North Pole. The dedication of the new submarine voyage attraction uh, had eight live mermaids performing a synchronized swimming ballet in the lagoon. That's so quaint. That's so nice. Of course, celebrities visiting Disneyland on this big day were Ronald Reagan, his uh, his actress then, uh, Jane Wyman, their son Michael, Haley Mills, let's get together, yeah, 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 uh, Meredith Wilson, who was a music guy and a TV personality, Art Linkletter, uh, which these were all big stars back in the um, uh, back in the day, so 1959. So that's a that's kind of a big deal back in the day. And June 15th of 2001, 
Disney's 40th animated creation, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, released nationwide with Michael J. Fox, Claudia Christine, Leonard Nimoy, James Garner, Corey Burton, and Jim Varney. Uh, all voicing that. Set in the year 1914, the film tells the story of a young linguist who gains possession of a sacred book who he believes will guide him to the lost city of Atlantis. I have never seen this film. I, I Don't shoot me. I've never seen it. Uh, I'll get to it. I'll find it. Also, in 2012, Disneyland Resort capped off its $1 billion renovation of California Adventure with the public opening of Cars Land and the new Buena Vista Street. Cars Land, of course, is the largest piece of a five-year ex- expansion at Disney California Adventure, adding 12 acres of attractions to the park. Uh, they had Radiator Springs, which is a... Basically, they created Radiator Springs, the fictional town from the movie. Uh, it also features Luigi's Flying Tires. It features uh, Mater's Junkyard Jamboree. And, of course, the Radiator Springs Racer, which takes riders through a race through a mountain range there in Radiator Springs. It is a gorgeous place. Very immersive. You walk down the street, you're walking into Radiator Springs. And, of course, when it, when night comes, everything's lit up in, in neon, like in the movie Cars. Right in the middle of Cars, if, if you know what I'm talking about, where, where Lightning McQueen lights up the whole town to impress Sally and everything. It looks like that. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. Radiator Springs Racer is great. If you don't like Cars, I still think you would like this area because it looks cool. Uh, same thing is, you know, if you don't like if you don't like Avatar in you know the movie or the the series or the the, the characters or whatever, you'll still like Flight of Passage and you'll still like the Pandora area in Animal Kingdom. So uh, that's one thing that Disney does really well that they'll take properties that you may or may not like in real life, but they'll turn them into something cool um, that you'll enjoy, which is what they did with Cars Land. Which I like Cars, so there you go. 1972. The Main Street Electrical Parade kicked off at Disneyland for the first time. I love the Main Street Electrical Parade. I liked Spectro Magic even better, and it's this beautiful parade full of lights and full of sound and music. And They had the uh, the music called the Baroque Hoedown, which was going on there. Just so good. So fantastic. And finally, capping this off, Tarzan came out in 1999. 37th animated feature release, Tarzan General released in the U.S., featuring Tony Goldwyn, Alex Lenz, Minnie Driver, Glenn Close, Lance Hendrickson, uh, Wayne Knight, Rosie O'Donnell, and on and on and on. To create the sweeping 3D backgrounds, the production team developed a 3D painting and rendering technique known as Deep Canvas. So if you ever wonder where Deep Canvas come from, there you go. And in 2010... Toy Story 3 is released, and uh, this is where Andy is preparing to leave for college, and they have the, the toys with an uncertain future of what's going to happen to them. Uh, with one of the best uh, best Disney villains we've ever come up with, Lotso Bear, a voice by Ned Beatty. Lotso is fantastic, and the whole the whole thing is fantastic. I, I love Toy Story 3, and it's just, it's, the end of that movie is so emotional, and I think it, it speaks to how we relate to movies because you have grown up with these characters. You've watched these characters. In like 1995, Andy's a young boy. And in 2010, Andy's ready to go to college. And so he's like 18, 19, 20, something like that. And so, you know, you kind of see – and the same, the same guy voiced Andy then and voiced Andy now. So you grow up with these characters. And so, so at the end of Toy Story 3, when they're all in the furnace and you're thinking to yourself – and if I'm spoiling this for you, then that's on you. You should have seen this movie by now. When they're all in the furnace and they're all heading towards doom and destruction before the aliens pull out a deus ex machina, you think to yourself, could Pixar really kill these characters? Is that really what's going to happen? Is it, or, I mean, of course they won't, but you're thinking, but they could because it's Pixar and that's what they do to us. What the heck? It's a great movie. It's a wonderful movie. It's wonderful characters. I, I love Toy Story 3 and I'm looking forward to Toy Story 4. I know that many people say that maybe they should have ended the series of Toy Story 3 and I'm, I'm cool with that, but... 
I'm looking forward to Toy Story 4, which should come out sometime next June. And, of course, by the time you hear this, uh, on Friday or Saturday or whenever, Incredibles 2 will be coming out. And I am also pumped for that. So that's going to be exciting. There's your there's your Disney history uh, and some Disney news. Now, let's get to the main main topic of what, what I wanted to talk about. One of the other reasons I wanted to wait a couple of days to kind of put this, this episode out is because I wanted to talk in depth about the Disney Fox Comcast deal. And you're thinking to yourself, David Dollar, why are we talking business? This is a Disney podcast. Let's talk Disney movies. Let's talk Mickey Mouse. Let's talk some rides, that kind of thing. Okay, well, if, if you don't want to hear the business stuff, then that's, this is the end of the episode. After, after this, we're done. But I do think you should listen because this is one of the biggest media deals in the history of ever. I mean, this is a major, major deal. And we're talking billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, at stake here. Okay, so let me set this up. All right, so last year sometime, AT&T, which of course is the communication conglomerate, they wanted to buy Time Warner. Time Warner is a company that owns CNN, they own TNT, TBS, they own all the Turner networks and stuff. They own DirecTV, I'm sorry, they own HBO. They own a lot of a lot of syndicates, a lot of stations, things like that. They own magazines and all the stuff that goes with it. Time Warner. You've heard the Time Life. When you were a kid, the Time Life records and tapes and things like that and whatever, Time Life magazines. They own all of that, okay? They're the ones that had the disastrous partnership with AOL like in 2000, which ended up being just a complete mess. Time Warner. So they're going to buy Time Warner. Now, AT&T wanted to buy them. They set out to buy them. Well, the Justice Department, our government, stepped in and said, you can't do that. There are antitrust laws at stake. Now, let me just stop here and tell you, I don't really understand what antitrust laws actually are. I don't really get that. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a, somebody, a professor of economics or anything. So and I'm sure it could be, I'm sure I could look it up real quick, but I'm not going to. Just know that there were some issues in place. There were hurdles that were in place. The Justice Department stepped in and said, you can't, you can't join together to do this. We're not going to let you. So they all went to court. This past week was the, was a ruling. We'll come back to this. So let's skip over to Disney and Fox. Now, Fox is going to put their stuff up for sale. The Fox movie franchises, and we'll get to those in a minute, all the movie franchises, uh, all the regional sports networks, there's going to go up. Channel FX and the channel FXX. I believe Sci-Fi included in this. National Geographic Channel is included in this. Basically, all their assets except for Fox News, Fox Business, uh, and the Fox News channels, Fox Sports 1, uh, I think Fox Sports 2, the two sports channels, and of course Fox Network. Those aren't for sale. They're actually going to create their own company called New Fox or something else. They're going to call whatever they're going to call it, you know, Fox 2 or something. I don't know. But they're going to create another smaller company with just that bundle. But everything else is up for sale. So Disney steps in and we're like, we're going to buy this. We want to buy this, okay? So they stepped in and they're going to they make an offer. They made an offer of like 50 Three billion dollars in cash. Now we've been talking about this deal off and on since like December. I've kind of mentioned it in previous episodes. So this is the first time we've really deep dived, in, deep dove into this because I knew this week was coming and I wanted to be able to talk openly about what's going to happen. Okay, so Disney offers up like fifty-three billion dollars in stock, and they're also going to assume the fourteen billion dollars in debt that Fox has. So the deal is going to be worth around fifty-six, fifty of uh, sixty-six, sixty-seven billion dollars with a B billion. Uh, now, understand Disney itself is worth about $155 billion as a company overall. So we're looking at like a third of the company. I mean, Disney's in- looking to increase their, their net worth by like you know, 30%. So this is, a, this is a big deal. This is huge, all right? So all the stuff they're going to get is just massive. They're going to add to the company they're in a major, major way, and they're going to have so many possibilities, and there can be so many ramifications to this for Disney for the future. So this is cool, right? I'm excited about this because they're finally going to own X-Men and Fantastic Four, and I know that's just a small part of all the things they're going to own, but it's exciting for me because Fantastic Four, the movies have been just terrible. Uh, the X-Men movies to me have been kind of going steadily down in, in quality. I think X-Men Apocalypse that came out a few years ago was just awful. And so 
I'm excited that they're going to own these things. And and if you read reports in December, I mean, the deal was done. I mean, like there are articles in Forbes and Business Insider and CNN and online and stuff that were talking about, you know, what now, what Disney now owns, what Disney's going to get, what they're getting in this deal, all these things, like the deal was done. However, comma, enter Comcast. Comcast, of course, is the, the cable conglomerate, which nobody likes. I don't know anybody who likes Comcast, but they own Universal. Amongst many, many, many other things, they own Universal and Universal Studios. So this is kind of where it comes in. So they step in, and they're like, no, 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 we want to buy the Fox assets. Now, whether they want to buy it because they don't want Disney to have it or they want to buy it because they want to own things, I think it's a combination of both. They stepped in. They offered like $60 billion. They offered more than Disney did. Okay. But here's the thing. Fox, Rupert Murdoch owns Fox, and, uh, and and he decided, you know, I think we want to stick with Disney because Disney is safer, and it's safer because there were antitrust laws that were coming into play, and they didn't want to deal with that with Fox, and they thought Disney was a more stable company. They didn't want to deal with that with Comcast, and maybe Comcast is a little more volatile when it comes to those things. They're like, well, you know what? Let's just avoid the obstacles, avoid the antitrust possibilities, and go with Disney. So that was the deal. Skip to three weeks ago. Disney is prepared to... to, to to do what they need to do. Their quarterly earnings are coming out. They're going to come out um, you know, sometime at the end of May. About two days before the Disney quarterly earnings come out, and Disney releases every quarter kind of what the company is doing that quarter and that kind of thing, like most businesses do, uh, you know, whether quarterly, annually, whatever. About two days beforehand, Comcast made another bid. Comcast put up like $60 billion in cash. Cash. Now, I don't know how this works. I don't know if it's like pallets of cash or somebody writes a couple of really big checks, or there's like money through PayPal and Venmo and whatever. I have no idea how it works, but they offered up in cash. So this is not stock, this is cash. And they did this right before the quarterly earnings came out, because when you do that, that means the stock price for Disney will go down a little bit, because people are looking at this deal and like, oh, well now Disney's going to have to pay more. People sell some of their stocks, the stock price goes down, which means now that Disney has to offer up more stock to get to that $52, $53 billion original price okay so you could say it's playing dirty it's it's business this is what happens so disney's like well okay we're gonna stand pat comcast offers that in cash this past week the justice department and uh, comcast went to court uh the trials lasted six or seven weeks now and the courts have ruled in favor of ATT time warner so they said att and time warner can now merge at&t will now be a 300 billion dollar company 300 comma zero 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 comma zero 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 comma zero 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 three hundred billion dollar company once they pick up Time Warner and all of its assets. AT&T also owns DirecTV as well. And so they'll be and amongst other things. So they'll be able to kind of combine that all into one thing. Well now Fox can step back and they say, oh well, now there's really not any antitrust issues in play, so maybe we should go with Comcast. Comcast yesterday actually stepped up their bid, and they actually went up to $65 billion for the assets. Disney's still holding pad under $55 billion, but Fox, um, Comcast stepping up with $65 billion plus $15, $16 in debt. So you're looking at about $80 billion for this deal, okay? This is massive. This is a massive deal with a lot of money. I can't even comprehend $65 billion of anything. I just, I can't get it, but that's what they're being offered right now. So Fox has a decision to do what to do with Disney, what to do with, with, with Comcast. 
here's what happens if Disney gets this. First of all, they're going to have to up their bid. And can they do it? I don't know. They're going to have to offer some cash. Uh, you're talking about a company who is in the midst of building major things. Epcot's under renovation. Star Wars going into Hollywood Studios. Magic Kingdom just finished their reservations. You know, we just opened Pandora and Animal Kingdom. The 50th anniversary is coming up. So this is going to be pouring money into that. They're building a resort, a river country, where the river country site is. They're building a tower at Coronado Springs. They're building a complete renovation overhaul at Caribbean Beach. That's just at Disney World. Not Disneyland. They're doing a brand new Shanghai Disney and Disneyland Paris renovation as well. So all these things are up in the air for this for Disney. I mean, this is huge. They're pouring money into the company like crazy. Okay, uh, Universal is a lot easier. I mean, they they they're pumping money into the company too, but I think the money they're pumping into it is not nearly as much because they don't have to spend as much. The upside to Disney is the fact they have so much land and so much potential and so many so many things they can do with their area. The downside is they have so much land to take care of and so many properties to take care of. Universal, of course, can only grow so much because there's only so much land in that little tiny bit they can purchase. Whereas Disney owns like 27,000 acres in Orlando, uh, Universal now owns like 600 acres. I mean, it's not a lot of acres, not a lot of acreage at all. And so they're having to do what they can do. But the upside to that is they don't have to spend a ton of money on their acreage because it's only so much they can do. So they're able to put the money into this. They're able to, to pump the money into this. Now, here is what Disney would get. If Disney got the Fox deal, okay, they would own, outright own these franchises. As in, if they wanted to put them in the parks, they could. Don't know that they will, but they could. Alien, Predator, Men in Black, Avatar. And you're thinking to yourself, well, don't they own Avatar? They don't. They have the rights to Avatar stuff in Pandora for Animal Kingdom, but that's just a rights deal. They, they're paying James Cameron, or James Cameron's paying them, or there's money exchanging hands in order to be able to use the Avatar likeness in, in Animal Kingdom, but they don't own Avatar. But they would own Avatar, okay? Narnia. Now, Disney made the first two Narnia films. They didn't make the third one. Fox, Walden Media did. And I think, actually, the Narnia company, Narnia Rights, C.S. Lewis, and people have gone to other companies. So Disney would be able to do something with them there, but they would have the rights to that, okay? The Die Hard franchise. As I mentioned, X-Men and Fantastic Four. Alvin and the Chipmunks. I don't care for Alvin and the Chipmunks, but Disney would own them. Uh, Independence Day, uh, they would own Planet of the Apes and all the Planet of the Apes stuff that goes with it. Dr. Doolittle, they would own The Simpsons. We'll come back to The Simpsons. They would own the Deadpool franchise. Of course, that's part of the Fox, X-Men, Fantastic Four comic book set. They would own that. The Diary of a Wimpy Kid franchise. Can you imagine that coming under Disney? Disney would be able to do all kinds of fun things with that. I've never seen the movies, so I don't know what the movies look like. They may be wonderful. They may be terrible. I don't know, but Disney would be able to take those and do something with them. The Home Alone franchise. If they ever wanted to remake it, God forbid, no. If they ever wanted to remake those, please don't remake it. They could. The Night of the Museum franchise, they would own all of those. The X-Files, not just the movie, but the TV. We'll come back to that as well. They would own Blue Sky Studios, which does Rio, which does Peanuts movie, which also does Ice Age. Now, they would not own the Peanuts, but they would own the Peanuts movie rights, okay? Ice Age and all of the characters that go with that. They'd be able to do something with that, okay? So that's all under that brand. The TV shows, they'd get MASH, they'd get the catalog of Mary Tyler Moore, they'd get the catalog of The Wonder Years, they would own This Is Us, which is on NBC right now, they would own the Modern Family Rights as well, and again, like I said, The Simpsons and Family Guy and The X-Files. Now, this is all important because Disney's opening up a streaming service next year. Sometime next year, Disney's going to come out with Disflix or Disstream or whatever they're going to call it, Magic Streaming or whatever, Magic TV, they're going to come out with Disflix, and all of this stuff can go into Disflix. So basically, you're doubling your uh, 
you're doubling your uh, uh, your your movie backlog catalog. I mean, what to be able to put onto this is just a massive amount of stuff. TV shows and uh, you know television shows and movies as well. They would also own Red Sparrow, which I you know, probably I've heard it was not a very good movie, but they would own that. The Kingsman, uh, which came up, the Die Hard franchise. Did I mention that the Die Hard franchise? Uh, the Martian, the movie with uh, Matt Damon, and the new movie coming up, Artemis. They haven't released that yet. Uh, the same author who wrote Martian also wrote a story called Artemis. He sold that rights to Fox. It would go to Disney, so Disney could do something with that as well and this is big for me they would outright own the original star wars movies now of course you think to yourself well they bought star wars don't they own them yes no uh lucasfilms actually still owns the rights to the first six films there's still a rights deal here where they kind of own they have rights to those first six films i think in 2020 uh the rights of empire strikes back through the end of the original of the, the new trilogy revenge of the sith i think those rights are now given up however however the Star Wars film, the original New Hope from 1977, has been owned by Lucasfilm in perpetuity, which means forever. Disney would get the rights to that. They would own that then. So they would own all of that. Okay? That's a big, big deal. All right? So what would Disney would do with all this stuff? They get this stuff. They pay the money. They get all this in. Of course, all this money goes in there. The sports, is, sports angle is interesting because ESPN... ESPN is not making money for Disney. They're just... It's just not making money for Disney at all. Okay, so to set up ESPN, this is how cable companies work. Uh, to end up getting a channel, any channels for a cable company, they have to pay the cable those cable channel owners a certain amount. What I mean by that is, let's say that I don't know, USA Network, maybe it's a dollar per subscriber. So cable companies have to pay USA Network and its conglomerate and its owner a certain amount per subscriber, like that one dollar. CNN maybe a dollar fifty, or National Geographic maybe thirty five cents, or whatever. They have to pay a certain amount per subscriber, which is why your cable bill sometimes is a hundred bucks. Because maybe $65 of that is going to cable channels. ESPN has the highest, maybe one of the highest, maybe the highest per subscriber rate of any channel. And that's like 6 or $7. So basically 5 or 6 or $7 of your cable bill is going to ESPN whether you watch it or not. Even if you only watch a college football season or you only watch it every now and then or whatever, it's going to, it's going to pay for that fee. That's standard, okay? The problem is that people are cutting their cords. People are cutting cords all the time. Thousands and thousands of people are going to satellite, which has different rules for payment for things like that. They're going to other things, and they're not doing cable anymore. All right, so cable companies are losing money. ESPN is losing money because their deals going forward with the NBA, with the NFL, and whatever, and of course this is by extension ABC and Disney, their deals with these major league products are are already paid up, or not paid up, but they're already set up for the future. So, you know, Disney has to pay NBA a certain amount every year to broadcast their games. Well, as subscribers cut cords, the money coming into ESPN is less and less and less. Now, there are other reasons as well, and I don't want to get into that. There are other reasons besides money, but overall, the money thing is a big, big deal. The other problem ESPN has is it doesn't have a back catalog of stuff, okay? So... You know, once you show NFL games, they're done. People aren't going to go back and watch a Jacksonville Buffalo game uh, on on you know on ESPN Classic. Now they have some classic games on ESPN Classic and things like that. But overall, once they pro- they they show a program like an NBA game or something like that, very few times are people going to go back and want to watch that. You have a back catalog of movies. People are going to go back to Disney's flicks and watch Aliens over and over and over. They're not going to go back and watch. I don't know, you know, the Orioles play the Brewers or something in a three-game series on July. They're not going to go back and do that. So once it's broadcast, it's over, okay? So there's no back catalog there. So really, Disney, ESPN doesn't really own anything. They kind of lease the shows they show, hope to get good ratings on that, and then they move on to the next one. So that's the problem that ESPN is having. Disney gets this. 
this Fox thing, they get all the regional networks. Now, I said Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2 are not included, but the regional networks are. There's like 44 Fox networks around the country. If you've ever flipped through cable or, or your uh, Dish Network or DirecTV, those lower channels during college football season, and you'll see Fox Mountain West, and you'll see Fresno State playing UNLV in football. Or you'll go to Fox New England, and you'll see Binghamton and Holy Cross playing basketball or something like that. Those are the regional networks, Okay. Those would be included. So ESPN could bundle all of those into one and actually have a lot bigger of a presence on those, which means their reach would be a lot bigger. And so that's a big deal, too. Disney would also own Skynet. They would own Sky TV in England, in Europe. Um, well, I take that back. They would own a stake of Sky, uh, Sky TV. Pretty major stake, actually. And they'd have the option to purchase the whole thing. Now, I believe that Britain has been very hesitant to sell it to Fox. I think they probably would sell it to Disney, which means they would have a European reach as well. So that's going to help Disney in the long run when it comes to that. So the ramifications of this are massive. To be able to stock their, their streaming service, to be able to do something with their sports stuff, to be able to reach into Europe, to be able to reach into all these channels is big. They already own a stake, a major stake of Hulu, and so they'll be able to have more movies to put into Hulu, more people, more movies people want to watch, because I don't know why, but maybe people don't want to always watch Disney flicks or animated films. They would have suddenly the Die Hard films to put up there. Or maybe they'd be able to stream old episodes of The Wonder Years, or maybe MASH, or maybe throw up a Home Alone series. I mean, they, they would own all of that. The Disney Channel would be able to, you know, Play Home Alone movies or something in the in the in the in Christmas time or whatever they would be able to do things like that. Okay, so the reach is just massive. The other thing is if Comcast gets it, all right, they're going to own outright Men in Black, Simpsons, and a few other things that are in their parks. Now, this is important because what Universal has done is they lease these properties. They don't own a lot of properties. They lease the properties, the Transformers, uh, Fast and Furious, uh, Jimmy Fallon, Rage Through New York. They lease those brands, they lose names, and they put those in there. It's almost like you have a, a box with squares in it, and you have a bunch of different things, different squares, and every now and then, Universal will take a square out and put something else into that square. That's what happens with Transformers. I'm guessing in five or six, seven years, Transformers will go away. They'll put something else in there. Um, you know, it, Transformers doesn't have its own area. It just has a ride right in the middle of one of the parks. Uh, you know, so The Simpsons has a whole area. So for Disney, if Disney goes out and purchases Fox and gets this, they will own The Simpsons and Men in Black outright, which means Universal will have a choice. Either continue paying royalty checks to Disney, or they just do something else with the land. They just renovate the whole land and do something else. If Comcast purchases it, that means they will own The Simpsons outright. That means they will own uh, Men in Black outright, and so on and so on. So there's a rights thing going on there. So we will see what happens. Do I want Disney to purchase this long-term Yes, I think it would be a great purchase. I think it's a great entity for Disney. I think owning all of these franchises would be massive, okay, and be able to to do. I mean, it would, it would open up the catalog for Disney so much and give so many more opportunities for Disney to do certain things. However, short term, I don't know how I feel about it because, okay, so I'm one of those people. When I spend $100 on something or $50 on something, even if it's something I need, like if it's clothes or shoes or something like that, or maybe it's something I want. I went out and purchased a couple of books and some, you know, a movie and some CDs or whatever, and I've still got, you know, $17 left. And, I'm, and I get in the car and I think to myself, I just spent $83 on three movies, four books, and a, and, and a couple of CDs. You know, they're all on sale, but man, what did I do? What could I have done with that money? I think to myself, what else I could have done with that money? So when Disney is offering up $55 billion, let's say they get $60 billion in stock they offer to Disney, cash, whatever they offer to Fox, 
I can't help but think of what Disney could do with that money because we got monorails that need to be rebuilt. Remember the story earlier in the show? Windows falling out. There, there. The rumor is that the new monorail system is coming, being created by a company called Bombardier, Bombardier, something like that. Um, apparently, it's the one that did the first monorails like a thousand years ago. These monorails are old. These monorails are old. It's not like they're 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 new products falling apart. These are old monorails. Uh, so their new monorails are coming, and that's going to take I don't know fifty million dollars, hundred million dollars. I don't really know. So there's that. You've got all these things happening in the parks and stuff, so that needs to be taken care of. You've got – I was talking to my wife last night, and she was talking about the infrastructure at Disney and how it's just not being taken care of properly, and I, I kind of agree. I mean there are certain things – you know, bathrooms need to be cleaned up, and you know, they need more people. They need more janitors. They need more – you know, they need more custodians. They need more people working the registers. They need more cast members. They need to, they need to pay the cast members more. So $55 billion will go a long way towards that. You know what else it could do? It could build another theme park. If you're talking California Adventure costs $5 billion to create, this was like 15, 20 years ago, imagine what putting $25 billion or $30 billion into a theme park would do. It would be fantastic. Building a fourth, a fifth theme park for Disney World would be awesome, and it would drive the nail already in Universal's coffin. I think when Star Wars Lands opens, I think that Universal will never catch Disney when it comes to that stuff. So I think this is a great, uh, this is a great way to show up Comcast and you know, get all these properties. But I don't know if they should or not because, again, I think there's so many things they could do with that money. That's a lot of money. It's an awful lot of money to spend on on all these franchises and all this stuff. So the ramifications are very far and, and wide-reaching. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Now, there's no official word on Disney's newest deal. It could come uh, newest offer. It could come out today, come out next week. I don't know. I don't know what will happen with that. But, uh, but I wanted to break this down for you. I wanted to kind of make it in, in lamest terms because I don't understand a lot of economics. I don't understand a lot of how some of these terms work and how these things work, but I did want to put this out here for you to kind of walk through it with you to kind of get a sense of what we're looking at here because it is a big, big deal. Of course, you know, AT&T becoming a $300 billion company. Um, Disney's trying to catch up because Netflix just surpassed Disney as the biggest uh, exclusive media company in the world, which means Netflix, they are media only. They just do movies. They do TV shows, and that's it. Uh, and the thing about Netflix the problem they don't have that ESPN has is that Netflix owns its own properties. I mean, they are creating so many movies, and this is why they're doing it. If you're wondering yourself, why are there, uh, why is 2018 going to bring us 80-something new, brand-new Netflix films with big stars, by the way? It's because Netflix wants to own its own properties. Now, they do a lot of movies, and Lisa DeVala movies get the rights to start movies, and they have movies coming in, coming out, and that kind of thing. But if all the movies owned by other studios were yanked out of Netflix suddenly, Netflix would still have the base of a good studio because they'll have hundreds of films in their repertoire to work with. And that's what Netflix is doing. And so Disney wants to be able to have that kind of a reach and be able to have this kind of a catalog, not just Disney movies, but having Fox movies as well, having this massive catalog of films uh, and TV shows to work with to put on their channel. So that's important for Disney, which I think is a big deal, and I think that's how they're going to battle Netflix. I mean, AT&T could open up its own streaming service. They're going to own HBO. They're going to own HBO. And so they're going to be able to do what they want to with HBO. They'll own direct, they own DirecTV already, so they'll be, they'll be able to do partnerships with those and kind of put movies as they want to on that and build their own structure. They could do their own streaming service, AT&T, whatever, Flix or something. And I don't know what Comcast is doing. I don't think they're going to do a streaming service at all. I think they just, I think they just want the properties. To be honest with you. So there you go. There is a breakdown and everything. Um, that's going to end up that business part of the show. So I hope it didn't bore you too much, and I hope you kind of understood as I walked through it. Be catching, be watching the news, and you can read some reports and stuff on how this is all going to break down because it's kind of a big deal. Like I said, it's I keep using the word massive, and I I can't think of another word to use because it is. It's big. 
It's a big deal. So there you go. That is the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Um, don't forget to visit our sponsor, my good friend Amy Campbell with My Resume Lady. She is the one who does the resume stuff. She will take care of your resumes, take care of your LinkedIn profile, take care of all that stuff for you to help you get a better job, to help you improve your status work-wise and everything. She is wonderful. She's forgotten more about LinkedIn than I will ever know. She's done hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of resumes. Her and her team have worked together for almost 10 years now doing resumes, marketing, things like that. Visit the Red Checker for details. Tell her that I sent you and you'll be glad that you did. You can find me on the Facebook, facebook.com slash Disney on a dollar. And you can find me magic on a dollar everywhere else. That's on Instagram and on the Twitters. Also visit magic on a dollar.com. It's a website that I'm almost done with. Yay. Got some great stuff coming up as well. Some new plans for the magic on a dollar travel planning service. We're uh, got some new stuff in the works. We're going to hope to roll out to you very, very soon. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed the show. Go to the magic on a dollar.com. Click on the podcast page to see all the previous uh, shows that we've done, all the notes and everything. You can find out some something that interests you, previous news, previous reports, previous history, so on and so on and so forth. It's all there, and you, again, you'll be glad that you did. Again, my name is David Dollar. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Share the show. Talk to people. Tell people about the show. Tell people, hey, I got a friend of mine named David Dollar, and he does a Magic and Dollar podcast. You should listen. He's telling you all about this at and uh, Comcast, Time Warner, Fox, Disney deal, and uh, although it sounds boring, he spells it out for you, so go check that out. So, And I would appreciate it. You guys have a magical week, and don't forget to thank a Phoenician.